Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Steeler Fury. This call is your SteelerFury.com podcast. I'm your host, Bradshaw Ben, a.k.a. Accidental Zen, a.k.a. that guy who hasn't picked a score right in about two years on the show, but keeps doing it anyway. Joining me today to talk Steelers football and all things uh, Steelers and NFL. And, um, and there might be a game coming up on Sunday that's important. I'm, hmm. uh, are my uh, usual suspects uh, with me from Suburban Zone 22 in Pittsburgh. His name is Steel Perch. He's with us. How are you, sir? I am here and prepared to talk about those assholes. <laughs> As opposed to these, those other assholes. Um, and also joining us uh, from somewhere uh, in the newly democratic South. His name is <laughs> FC. His name is FC. He's with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Fuck New England. <laughs> I think we've we've more or less established the tone for this show. Uh, before we get on to those other assholes, let's talk about the last week's assholes. That would be your Baltimore Ravens, who nearly came in here and uh, crushed the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, that narrative of that game could easily have gone in a different direction than it ended up being. Um, I'll start with you, Perch. Were you, you know, did you leave the game exhilarated at the end? Uh, pissed off at the end or uh just plain exasperated i was mostly bored to be honest i mean it was typical steelers football right it's exactly what we expect to see if you've watched them enough you know they're going to make it dramatic you know it's going to be a close game at the end you know more than likely they're going to find a way to pull it out i wish they'd throw us for a loop once in a while just beat somebody by 30 points but (laughs) you know you're right too easy man come on yeah you hit the nail on the head though where how much different would the tone be if, say, Boswell misses that last field goal? We lose by, you know, uh, two points, and uh, you know we're facing New England, possibly going down, uh, you know, from basically a one seed to a three seed with Baltimore only one game behind after this week, and maybe even losing the division. So now we're the number one seed. We're a game up on New England, and it's just it's a whole world of difference. But uh, yeah, I mean that game. We talked about the Ravens and how boring they were to watch all year and how they're the most painful team in the NFL to watch and how if you have anything resembling a competent defense, you're going to shut that team down because they're just so bad. If you don't have turnovers, they're not going to score on you. And then they go for their biggest offensive output in three years. So uh, I don't I don't even know where to start with that. Yeah, I mean, FC, the thing is, though, that team, much like the Dolphins against the Patriots, uh, the Ravens know how to play the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers got to learn to tackle, got to learn to beat blocks. I mean, it was 
more the Steelers' defense being pathetic than Baltimore's offense being good, in my opinion. Um, there's offensively, this like podcast should take 45 seconds. Todd Haley, don't fuck it up. Guys, score. That's defensively, we could spend weeks. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's as much. I, I mean, yeah, Baltimore knows what to do against us. Get the ball in space, you know, against you know our back seven players and max protect on the offensive line, and we'll have success. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'll throw something out to you guys. Purge, I mean, you know, people will say that look what uh, look what a backup quarterback in Green Bay did against the Steelers. Look what Joe Flacco did against the Steelers. You know, here here comes the floodgates opening to see what Tom Brady will do against the Steelers. But here's here's my point: even if Tom Brady is significantly better than those other two guys, how much more could they score? You know, like you know, even even if if New England is the Steelers defense absolutely, you know, has no chance of stopping New England. How many more points can they actually give up as long as the Steelers offense continues to play well on the other side? I mean, it can't be that much more, right? Two more than Joe Flacco, they win the game instead of losing it, right? So, I mean, if they, he could put up 40 instead of 38, he could probably beat the Steelers. But you're right, though. I mean, that's that's the thing people are saying. Well, imagine if Aaron Rodgers was there, you know, for that Packers game. And I said the same thing you did. Well, what more could he have done? Was he going to do, you know, uh, march up and down the field and put 30 points on us? It, it didn't matter because our offense is scoring so well. But, uh, I mean, ever since Joe Hayden went out, every single week we're seeing multiple busted coverages down the field for wide open touchdowns. And now, you know, the, the Ravens with the running game with, with Shazier out, we just, you know, down blocking the outside linebacker and getting to a foot race with the inside backer and you're getting 12 yards every carry to the outside. There's some significant issues there that need fixed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, FC. Like, I, I look at this coverage situation, and we're going to get into the run game in a second. But I look at the coverage situation, and I just see safeties that that play too far off the ball in coverage, giving up too much ground in coverage, yet not stopping plays over the top. I mean, that's a lot of people have been talking about the cornerback situation. Uh, both here on this show, on the board, and also you know just in general in the, in the NFL universe, but uh, the safety situation to me is is uh, is really frightening because you guys, if they're playing that that far back, at least you hope they wouldn't give up the big plays. Also, yeah, yeah, um, it's but with the passing game, it's mental breakdowns. I know that's it's horrible to say. You can correct those with emphasis and work which they haven't done yet, but I imagine they're getting to, I hope. Um, you know, Mike Mitchell is one of the favorite whipping boys on our board, and I hate to say this, he's significantly better than Sean Davis. People don't like to attack our young players, and that's a big issue. I mean, um, you know, we, we, we try to be diligent with this, but if we want to look in the mirror and, and just be honest with ourselves, you know, Sean Davis is a big problem. Dupree is a big problem. And the two that you'll never hear, you know, the Steelers fans won't hear it on this podcast, Javon Hargrave sucks. He's fucking terrible. Somebody needs to have the balls to come out and say it. I understand he only played 32 plays this past week. There's a reason why. 29 of them, 30 of them were terrible. Um, T.J. Watt has, if you look at his last four or five games, and you're honest with yourself, you take away 
Two or three plays total? He hasn't been very good. So the Steelers' problem is the defense as a whole. It's not necessarily defensive backs. I mean, the Steelers can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. So, you know, they're pretty much a useless unit. You know, people want to I mean, defend these young guys. Javon Hargrave was single blocked by an undrafted center, and I'd say he was pancaked eight to ten times without help. So, like, this thing, well, he's being double teamed. No, he's not. Cameron Hayward wasn't double teamed. Stephen Tewitt's playing with one arm. We we were beat by single blocks and tight ends getting to our outside linebackers. Purchase 100%, you know, correct with a down block, you know, from time to time. But we were out physical. We were out game-planned, out-schemed, out-talented. And the biggest thing is we were out-fought. And that's the problem that I have basically with the Steelers' defense is guts and toughness. And, okay, but okay, you know, but let's, sure. let's, I'm going to follow up with you, FC, before I send send it back right. to Perch. And that is, do you think some of this is you should you know being that it's like just the entire defense really, and the front got pushed around, um, short week, a very emotional week, like a very mm-hmm. taxing week. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got I got to say maybe maybe that has something to do with it. Not to make an excuse for them, but I mean, I'm just trying to be realistic. We were having the problems before Shazier. We were on the problems, you know, with Green Bay. We were having, you know, the problems before Shazier went out. And I can understand Joe Hayden being a, a major cog to this defense now. And, you know, you don't trust the pass coverage, so you're keeping the safeties further back. You're dropping the backers in the coverage a little bit more, so they're not attacking the line of scrimmage, which is going to affect their run game. All that's fine. You know, whenever you do have the front seven coming forward, when you have the front seven taking on blocks, you know, we're not even attempting the two-gap anymore. Not even a consideration. We're one-gapping. We're blowing gaps, or we're getting physically dominated at the line of scrimmage. You know, it's 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 not a popular thing. If you want to, you know, get nauseous, just you can go watch that all 22 and watch just the offense and the front seven play of the Pittsburgh Steelers and just watch them on roller skates. I mean... I, I honestly have no idea how Javon Har- Hargrave continues to get a hat for this team. How about that? Because what's behind him is, is not so good. By the way, Ryan uh, Jensen, I would, though. I Walton every day of the week because at least I know with him, I'm going to get someone that's going to go to war. And it's going to try. I mean, Hargrave, you, you can watch him get broken games and he just to, he throws his arms out there and he looks around. You can see him yeah, stop well, coming off the ball. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know that obviously is that's no good. By the way, Ryan Jensen, though, sixth round pick, not undrafted, but point remains the same. Perch, how do how do you see this? You know, the the front, the, our our defensive, especially the interior, used to be the strength to this defense, and now, as FC was pointed out, it's kind of uh, really tailed off recently to its injury. You know, wear wear and tear. How do you how do you see this? Well, you know, FC was really right about we can't cover and, and can't uh, stop the run, but he was wrong when he when he didn't say that we can't rush the passer either. So that's <laughs> another problem. I mean, you had Bud Dupree in this game again. Why? I mean, Elaine, five feet away from the quarterback, Flacco's standing there holding the ball, not a defender between them, and he stopped. Him, he stopped. He put his hands by his side and looked at him and did not move. Like it's, it's just like the second game in a row that that happened. What the hell is he? I've never seen another player not, i don't even say an nfl player from from okay. through. i looked i looked for this play and i found i found what i think is the play and i think some of it i mean i'm not trying to you know negate your point perch i think some of it was the camera angle because i saw him he you know when they when i saw it from the all 22 if it's the play i'm thinking about it was a long pass to wallace 
Um, and and I think I don't think he stopped. I think he just turned like he he took a step towards the quarterback and and uh, and ran to him. But it was he had a little bit farther to go to get to the quarterback than it looked like from the sideline angle. Like from the sideline angle, you're right. It totally looked like he pulled up. And I was like, oh, this is the play. But when I looked at it from the other direction, he never actually stopped. It's just he started coming I towards the camera, which was I mean, he definitely stopped hands by the side was not moving, and you're looking at him like, what the hell is he doing? You, you know, you've never seen another player do that before. I mean, that's one part of the problem. Then, you know, Sean Davis, what a dog shit game. I mean, that was the worst game any Steelers defenders had all year by far. You know, he got uh, he got bad coverage, uh, dropped the coverage, <laughs> gave up a touchdown. 15 yards yeah. for pal driving a guy. 15 yards for a guy out of bounds and shoving him and taking out frustrations. Uh, you, you know, and that's, he started the game with interception, led the team with tackles, solo tackles and tackles for a loss. But all you could see is every time he was out there, he was in a bad play. And then that one play on the sideline, instead of even making an effort to hit the guy or tackle, he just puts his hands down by his side, bumps the guy with a shoulder. I think it was Alex Collins on that run to the outside. And, uh, and the dude busts off another 20 yards out. He made no effort to make a tackle. So there was four or five, six plays in that game that he made that were just hit. I mean, Tomlin was visibly angry, yelling at the guy when he came off the field at least two times in that game. So, yeah, Sean Davis has become a problem. And, it, you know, that's the thing. He, he'll he make a really nice play here or there, but he makes some just bad, bad mistakes. And Artie Burns, the same sort of thing. You know, so we've got the two young guys who were supposed to be the – the strength of the secondary, the guys that are future that are, you know, going to improve our, our, you know, historically bad pass defense and making horrible plays. Our first round picks that we have that are going to help with the pass rush. We got, well, TJ Watt made one sack. So in the past, what, three weeks, those two guys have combined for like one sack. Uh, you know, you got 40 year old James Harrison who doesn't get in the game when he does, he doesn't really have a pass rush anymore. Most of the pass rush is supposed to come from to and Hayward Hayward's, I think, holding up his end the best he can, but to it, I don't know if the arm's bad or what. It, I, I, you know, I, I don't know that answer, but he's done nothing in, in over a month. Uh, so in Hargrave, too, I mean, when's the last time he got a good pressure on a quarterback? Uh, so they, they've got some issues. It was Shazier out. You don't have that dynamic speed out there. It, it hurts in the pass coverage. It, you know, hurts on some of those inside blitzes. And, you know, Vince Williams can only do so much. So they've got a lot of issues there. Uh, and Tom Brady's coming to town, you know, so. Yeah, I doubt this is the week that it gets fixed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I okay, I, I, I hear what both of you guys are after here. Um, I'll, I'll throw two things at you. First one is scoreboard. Like somehow this team it can look like absolute dog shit on defense for long stretches of the game. Like you know, basically two quarters of the game, whether it's the first half or the second half or the middle half. Um, they they can manage to look pretty bad for half of a game. Um, they also seem to make some plays when they need to make plays. They're at that sort of stage of the development, uh, and I, I I feel like I wouldn't count this defense out from turning it around to the point where they get back to where they were earlier in the year. I, I, I don't they don't have Shazier, and it's never going to be quite the same as it was. But I think this team can be at least a solid slash average defense, which is what, you know, which is all that they really need. They need an average defense that makes big plays at the end of the game and they would be okay. I mean, even, even a guy like, like uh, James Harrison, you know, you can't just be inactive for six or seven weeks and come in the game for 10 to 12 plays and suddenly be dynamic. 
I think I think he needs some he needs some reps, needs some snaps. It wouldn't surprise me if he has a a much bigger impact on Sunday. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the team as a whole you know plays better, especially if Joe Hayden comes back in because it sort of upgrades everything in the secondary. So I mean, maybe I'm maybe my glass is a little bit half full with the you know with the defense as a whole, but I have a feeling they're not quite as bad as they showed on Sunday on a short week against the Ravens, you know, second division game in a row. You know, nobody's going to have a problem getting up for New England. Nobody's going to have a problem doing their best, right? Go ahead. You're saying you're saying scoreboard. Packers with a, a backup rookie who'd pretty much never you know played more than a game or two in his, his career put up 28 points on this defense. Raggedy Andy Dalton put up uh, 20, and Joe Flacco with absolutely no weapons around him put up 38. And that's the, yeah, the three games. They're 11 and, but they're 11 and two, man. I mean, it's like well, we're not yes, talking was, about the team's record. We're talking about the performance of the defense and concerns going forward, and it's it's major. <laughs> what's the what's the bright spot in the defense right now? I'll give you. Give give me a couple of good points. What's what's really bright and positive? The um the yeah. outside linebackers have done better in coverage than any team I can remember since the seventies, which is a really big thing because we were terrible for a while in in the uh, you know covering those this, the seam routes and the stuff that uh, you know tight ends and stuff like that. We've been really good against tight ends. So they can't rush the passer, the- and they can't stop the run, but man, they sure can cover. Okay, well, it. Joe Tooney's coming to town. FC, I have a feeling they're going to be able to get some interior pass rush this week because that's a bad matchup for New England. Um, I didn't think the Ravens' interior offense line was very good either, and they did a pretty good job. I would say that Vince Williams has actually been somewhat of a bright spot considering I thought that he was just – I thought he was Sean Spence, to be honest with you, where he wasn't fast enough to play the game as a starter at the NFL level, and uh, I would say he is, but yeah. Um, in the scoreboard, a lot uh, that has to do with is the Steelers are putting up uh, bigger, the Steelers' offense is putting up bigger numbers than the Ravens' offense, and you know, the big thing is the Steelers aren't turning the football over now offensively, and uh, the the simple thing for this week, I would if I was Todd Haley, if I was Mike Tomlin, I would tell Todd Haley, 49 or 52. And that's the goal for the points I want on the board. <laughs> no, I, I would tell Todd Haley the game time is 8.30. <laughs> that's what yeah. I, that's what the Monday I night do. game, Todd. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Perch, I'll, I'll give you the first crack at this, though. You know, the one problem that you can't solve with a returning player or, you know, uh, not much is going to happen to fix it is this second interior linebacker position to replace Shazir. Um, you know, that last week was not the solution. What, what do you think they potentially can do this week? Uh, really nothing. I mean, they don't have, you know, t- talent. I mean, they missed out on keeping Lawrence Timmons, uh, which kept Vince Williams, who's a very good number three on the roster. They never replaced Vince Williams. They never replaced, you know, Lawrence Timmons. When they came into the season, they had a bunch of guys that were – Fringe NFL, they're mostly special teams players. They're not somebody you want as your top backup at the inside linebacker position. They went and signed Sean Spence off the street, who'd been out of football because that's what everybody else thinks of him, and that's what they got. I mean, look look what uh, Baltimore did in that game. They started the game saying, you know what, we're going to get Danny Woodhead matched up in the passing game against these Steelers inside, inside linebackers. You know what, we covered pretty well. 
So after that, they said, screw it. We're going to run to the outside. We're going to, you know, block on the outside linebacker and get into a foot race with the inside guys, and we're just going to gash them. And that's what they did. What's Bill Belichick done to the Steelers for years? Same sort of things. He'll get us in, in these matchups where, you know, we, we've, he's got a quick athletic running back, and he's going to get him matched up on our inside linebackers, or he's going to get, uh, get us spread out and then, you know, run the ball whenever we're in a nickel or dime. And they've done it over and over, and they're going to do it this week, and they're going to be successful at it. It's too late in the season. You know, there, there's nobody. Raymond Maluga, is he's the only other guy left out there, and he's shit too. So that there really isn't a good answer unless Sean Spence was just rusty and, and needs a week or two to get back to football speed. The guys on the roster aren't any good. Matikiewicz, if he gets healthy, is not any good. None of these guys are any good. It's Vince Williams and whoever else. So unless you play a nickel with one, you know, one inside linebacker on the field and, and hope for the best, they don't have a good solution. Yeah, I mean, uh, Perch, I'll give you an extra one here since I, I gave one to FC earlier. I mean, what about the possibility of, of uh, you know, going all Belichickian and, and moving some guys around? I mean, taking, taking one of those outside linebackers and, and putting them in the middle in some packages, not necessarily as, you know, your full-time, he's now just going to become an inside linebacker, but why not use uh, a guy like Watt uh, or or maybe even Dupree, it's a little bit more of a stretch. Watt, you know, you could put Watt in that spot, and it just takes away some of what he does on the outside linebacker position, but why not use some of the more athletic, talented guys and get them on the field? No, I mean, to me, Watt is a guy that can play anywhere. You know, kind of like Clay Matthews, where Matthews, you know, probably he's going to have a very similar, you know, career path where he, you know, was a pretty good you know, edge rusher for the, for a while and they moved him to the inside and that was a more natural position for him. You know, I think Watts a very similar athlete, very good in coverage, very active, very smart, hustles, busts his ass. You can use him in just about anywhere. But what's that leave you on the outside? Chicolo? I mean, Her- they obviously don't think much of Harrison. They don't think he's got the speed to cover. They don't think that his edge, edge, rush, edge rush is nearly what it was, you know, four or five years ago. So you're going to play Chicolo Dupree, put Watt on the inside, Maybe that's an option, but you got to realize too, Watt's a rookie. You know, he's still just catching up the speed on what his job is, and now you want to give him a whole other job. And and then if you're taking, you know, in the nickel packages or whatever, taking Vince Williams off the field, who, who gets the green dot? It's just it's too much to take on this late in the season. I just don't know what what a good answer is based on the talent they have on on their roster. And you know, Sean Spence and Matikiewicz are probably the two most likely guys. Moats. Seemed like he was a little bit out of position there, and I don't know if they have anything else. Yeah, I think Moats is a better suited to if you know if, if God forbid something happened to Vince Williams and Matikiewicz wasn't healthy. Moats fits that role a little bit better, but yeah, he looked his lateral quickness is not what it was when he was playing inside linebacker in Buffalo. Um, FC, um, you know, did you think as Chris did, did you agree with Chris Collinsworth that? The reason we had so much trouble with Alex Collins is that our interior linebackers could not get to the edge quickly enough, or do you think there were some, yeah? Chris Collinsworth was actually onto something that uh, he misidentified it, and he was wrong, but he was kind of onto something where he said, um, this is the 15th or 20th time you've seen the Steelers show a five-man line. Nah, they didn't show a five-man line. It was the 15 or 20 times that the Steelers showed you the bare defense, and that's what you're going to see. That's what you're going to see going forward. You're going to see T.J. Watt in the jack position of the of the Bear defense, basically the Wilbur Marshall role. You're going to see Bud Dupree and the Otis and the Wilson role from the Bears way back in the day. That's what the Steelers showed you. They showed you some four six. 
with single high safety being Sean Davis, who lost, and you had Mike Mitchell walked up into the box. And that's what I had a feeling that they're going to show, and that's what they're going to do. And I actually have no problems with it because we're getting eight up in the 3-4. So if you want to show the 4-6 and you want to be aggressive, that just gives the offense more time with the ball to try to control the clock and score and try to manipulate the score that way. So that's what I think you're going to see maybe going forward. The Steelers are not going to be able to stay in a base 3-4 defense with the way the personnel is right now. So the five-man line that they were talking about actually was a straight bear defense. It was Buddy Ryan. It was Rex Ryan. It was Jeff Fisher. And I didn't have much of a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, I just it just felt like, though, that – well, I mean, to me, the biggest issue is – bigger than the, even the personnel issues, Perch, is Keith Butler is doing some weird – like I, so I heard a great comment this week. Keith Butler is the Todd Haley of defensive coordinators, and and I think there's a certain way it's true. It's the cute factor that they seem to be trying to compensate with, you know, very strange play calls in some, in some cases. Like they were defending the run with plays where they had uh, Dupree looping to the inside and a safety taking over the you know, the setting the edge roll on the outside. And it just kind of like they ran, they basically ran their bigger guys into the interior against Alex Collins. who would be doing all the damage who had been doing all the damage on the outside. Same with uh, Buck Allen. So as, as FC said, you're in a, you're in a sort of a bear front and then you bring big guys to the interior and swap, swap them with, with other guys from the middle. It's like, I, I make any sense of what Keith Butler is doing. Yeah, and I think also a lot of that comes down to when you mentioned being too cute. You know, the last two weeks they're playing AFC North football, and every time that these you know Steelers Bengals or Steelers Ravens go on, you see new wrinkles put in specifically for that opponent because you know each other so well. I think maybe he was just kind of out thinking himself there a little bit and, and getting, like you said, just a little bit too cute, a little too inventive to try and confuse the Ravens, and probably all he did was just run his own guys out of position. So. You know, I don't expect to see that much in the rest of the games of the season because they're not playing these, you know, tough division rivals again. But, you know, do they have the personnel just to line up and, and head on with somebody and beat them? That's, that's still a question, too. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I guess we'll never know. I, I just felt like, you know, some of the run – the defense is called in run situations and, and also – pass coverage like there was some there was a goal line play where they just had kind of like left one side of the field very poorly defended for what the formation looked like and that could be just a you know somebody made a mistake in in adjusting the formation on the field it may not necessarily be Keith Butler but yeah it just seemed like just outthinking himself a little bit which is you know maybe this is the team where these guys are young and they have some they have some talent and this needs, they're thinking too much. I know that's the theme that FC is going to get right now. Yeah. I mean, um, if you're not, that's why I have no problems with the bare front or an aggressive front. Fire your gun. Instead of sitting back and getting, you know, gashed play after play after play, fire your gun. Let guys come down hell. Let, you know, the one thing that Bud Dupree has a lot of is athleticism. Let them let physical players, you know, play to their talents. I take Artie Burns. I man him up on cooks. He doesn't get open. 
And if, if he ends up getting open, you're going to have to double and help. You know, Dami Amendola doesn't scare me. Chris Hogan, I watched that game on Monday night. He does not look like the same player. He can't extend with his right arm, you know, to catch a ball. You know, um, T.J. Watt, I really think he – I think that Perch is correct with, you know, he's going to end up probably having a similar career to Clay Matthews. But I actually think that he has a little bit more upside because he has a little bit more length to him than Matthews Jr. does. You know, the the reason that we've spent probably 25 minutes on the defense and the tone is so negative, you know, for an 11-2 team is because the Steelers have more talent than if we were just a garbage defense, that's fine. But there's so much talent and investment made on that side of the ball that, you know, you putting them in a read-and-react role obviously isn't working, so you're going to have to try something different. And, you know, I don't know if the Steelers believe the players are smart enough. As Perch was saying, you're now in week 13 of the season. You are what you are. Or, you know, if if you want to win a championship, you're going to have to do something more on defense. And it's going to have to be schematically where you put players in positions to succeed and win. And I don't think we're doing that at this point. Yeah. Well, uh, Perch, let's talk for a second uh, about, I mean, just we can do this in the context of, of uh, talking about the assholes from from the Northeast who are about to come to town. Uh, and also the football team is coming. Um, the, um, the Steelers and the Patriots this week. Let's, let's, let's flip over for a second. The Steelers' offensive side of the ball. New England's defense is, is funny. You know, they in the early part of the year, the first couple of games, man, they were really bad. Uh, and then they got into this flow where they were giving up a lot of yards but not many points. And then uh, on Monday night, they sort of they started looking like they ran out of bodies a little bit. Uh, I, I, you know, what do you, what do you expect that New England's defense, like as bad as the Steelers' defense looks going against Tom Brady, do you think the Steelers have an equal matchup on the other side? Well, you know, Belichick's pretty good at mixing things up and confusing Ben a bit. But they, you know, the Patriots really are down a lot of guys. Like you said, Kyle Van Noy's a guy they use in a lot of places, and he's been down. Trey Flowers, I don't know if he's going to be back or not this week. Dietrich Wise, I know, was banged up. But their secondary, I think, you've still got enough good players to match up. Uh, you know, Devin McCourty's a good player back there. Patrick Chung's a good safety. Malcolm Butler's done a pretty good job on AB in the past. Stephen Gilmore, I think, could match up pretty well with uh, with Martavis Bryant. I think they'll be able to do enough in the secondary, you know, to kind of cover up some of their deficiencies in the front. You just kind of hope that the Steelers go out with that mindset that we're going to try to outscore Brady instead of we're going to try and keep Brady off the field by running the ball the entire game and, and driving down and stalling long drives for field goals. So that's – one of my main concerns is, are we going to have an offense like last week? And I don't know if you heard the interview with Josh Dobbs. It was on a, I think it was KDK radio uh, uh, in Pittsburgh, where he basically said last week was the most amazing thing he's ever seen from a quarterback, where Ben was in charge the entire game and all the dummy calls and stuff he was doing to identify the defense. And the entire offense, that entire game was Ben making the calls. And, and that's what they need to do this week. Get, you know, put it in Ben's hand, let him, Trust his read. Let him do the dummy calls. Let him figure out what the defense is and let him tear it apart instead of, hey, we're going to go out there and 
let's keep Tom Brady off the field like we always try and do and run the ball heavy and play real conservative. And, you know, Brady's doing short drives for touchdowns and we're trying to play ball control and then it's too late and we try and play catch up. So, yeah, to answer your question, you know, the Patriots front is, is it's got its weaknesses for sure. I still think their back end's got enough guys and, and Belichick's smart enough to limit the Steelers' offense much better than the Ravens did last week. Uh, it's just a matter of what. how do we come out on offense? Do we come out on offense trying to score 40, or are we coming out to try and possess the ball for 40 minutes? And that'll, that'll tell the entire game right there. Yeah, I mean, FC, anything to add? I mean, I'm a little worried about Vance McDonald not playing. I'd sure like to have all the bullets in the gun. I mean, uh, the one thing that we'll miss from Vance McDonald that I mention a lot is he's actually a pretty good blocker. He's a pretty good move blocker. But, you know, at what point do we start giving 23-year-old Jesse James some credit? You know, made a lot of plays in the passing game. And uh, he did a really nice job run blocking as well. And uh, he seemed Had a good game, that's true. Oh, he's had a pretty good season as a whole. He's one of, like, I see these people that are mock draft and we need a tight end. No, no, we really don't. <laughs> I mean, it's we got a lot more problems than tight end. Um, I my, my biggest concern is the turtle aspect and the total, what Pert said about what Josh Dobbs said, if they take the game out of Ben's hands. Um, you know, uh, Ben... He's got a very good feel for the game, and I think that he's shown you over about the last month, you know, that uh, he can control the flow, the pace, he can work the run in. You know, he, I, I don't remember a much better game by Ben that was played than he did against the Ravens on Sunday. Maybe the six-touchdown game against the Ravens, but I don't think that Ben was as good in that game. You know, I think players around him made a ton of plays in the previous Baltimore game. This game, this was pure Ben. This was Ben being Ben. You know, two little scrambles to get first downs that get overlooked. Those are, you know, those little plays, the third and four, where he stumbles for five and gets you the first down and moves those chains. That may be the difference of keeping the the defense off the field for four or five minutes because the, the, the way our defense is playing is just – you know, here comes the run, 15, here comes the run, 8, here comes the run, 15. You know, and that keeps, you know, the best part of our team off the field, obviously. So, injuries, which got this all started. No, I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm the, my biggest concern biggest concern is getting Marcus Gilbert back. Don't get me wrong, I have no problems with what Hubbard's done at right tackle. I just think that you can do so much more with Gilbert because he's really a good right tackle. And, you know, other than that, just let let your, your players play and let Ben run the offense and let the defense fire downhill, you know. Um, let them make plays. Instead of being in a catch roll, have them flying upfield. You're going to give up points. You're going to give up scores. I'd much rather do it aggressively than, you know, by a thousand cuts. Yeah, sure. Uh, Perch, speaking of letting Ben control the flow of the game, uh, couldn't help notice that Tony Correnti's crew uh, was assigned to the game. If there's anything that can kill flow, it's a crew that throws either the most or the second most uh, penalty flags of any crew in the NFL. You know, how do you see that playing out? Does that favor one team over the other? 
Yeah, I haven't looked at it enough to know. I mean, have you looked at it closely to see, do they call a lot of holding? They call a lot of defensive uh, pass interference calls. Where are most of these calls kind? I know they throw a lot of flags across the border. Is there one area that it's focused on? Um, I, I'm going to have to research. So I, I'm, uh, I just, I just uh, looked into it a little bit here. Because I know there is somebody that keeps track of that. I can't remember where that source is, but I'll, I'll see if I can figure it out before the end of the show. I remember yeah, okay. the one thing yeah. about Tony Caranti, he seems to call a lot of hands to the face defensively, a lot of defensive holding, a lot of pass interference type plays. Yeah, I'm not sure that helps. <laughs> I mean, way. I mean that, or unless, unless they're also calling a lot of, uh, you know, uh, OPI on uh, the tight end, but, you know. Right. I'm not sure. I, I wonder, well, I wonder if – OPI with Antonio Brown, I mean – you, you watch a lot of these highlight plays of him where the defender is right on him, and when the ball is getting close, all of a sudden there's a three-foot gap because he has, he's got the smoothest little chuck move <laughs> of anybody I've ever seen where it, he does it subtly enough where he never gets called for it, and people are always pissed off that uh, this little five-foot-ten guy just pushed off and nobody could see it, and he's gaining three yards of separation right before the ball comes. But, you know, you, you hope that – I think John Harbaugh last game was complaining at halftime if you heard that. You know, offensive pass interference is a big of a deal as defensive, and we need these guys to start calling it, that sort of a thing. But, uh, yeah, Gronk's going to push off, and he's Gronk, so he's not going to get called. And AB's going to push off, and he's AB, so he's not going to get called. So, you know, it's just going to come down to who keeps their cool and who's more well-coached and more disciplined, and that sounds like a Bill Belichick team to me. I mean, the thing is about Antonio Brown, and this is something I, uh, you know, just like to point out to the average viewer that doesn't necessarily follow penalties and officiating that closely. If the defender uses hand fighting, in other words, the defender hand checks, puts his hand on the receiver's arm, tries to maintain contact with him in the NFL, they will always let the receiver use his free hand to get rid of the contact from the defender. And that they generally don't call that either way. Um, it's you know if you actually grab a guy's arm and pull it or hold it at the time the ball gets there, it's a different story. But the kind of you know hand the hand fighting situation that mostly what Antonio Brown is doing is is getting rid of contact from the defender that's technically illegal by swatting it away with his hand more than you know like chucking a guy like you're saying. I, I don't know. I didn't really see it as a chuck. I see it as you know guys guys hand checking him and he pushes the guy's hand away at the moment that he needs to create his break so that at that second he doesn't have contact on him. And I think in the NFL, they never call that. They never call that. What, what they call is if you, you use two hands or you push somebody, um, you use uh, a hand, you know, an arm fully extended shoving somebody, uh, especially when they're not already engaged with you or if it's from behind, that gets called a lot. But when, when the defender is hand fighting all the way down the field and you push his hand off at the end, you're, you're not going to get called ever. Um, you know, maybe maybe I'm saying it wrong, but that's that's what I would say. Um, uh, and uh, FC, I think we're out of luck. The page that normally, uh, the page that normally has the listing of uh, which crew by which penalty is is not up right now, unfortunately. So all I can tell you is that they they call the third most penalties total of any crew in the NFL. And I just in general, I think they're a little bit of an officious sort of crew. So. Who knows how? Who knows how to predict NFL officiating and what impact it'll have on the game? Hard to say. And what crew would you want to have? Like they're all terrible. Correct. Uh, anyway, um, so I, uh, 
Well, I'm trying to think where we were here. Oh, we were talking about the, the Steelers offense attacking them. Uh, Branch for New England is the one player who didn't practice at all yesterday for New England. Uh, he left uh, He left a Monday night game with a knee injury. If he's either doesn't go or is not 100%, I mean, the, that has to free up some kind of possibilities for the Steelers running the football in the interior, does it not? I'll, I'll give that to whichever guy would like to have it. Um, the, the Steelers should, should be able to run the ball against any team in the NFL, dis, despite who's playing or is not playing. I mean, I think personally, I think Bruno Williams from Baltimore is the best interior run defender in the NFL that's not named Linval Joseph, who doesn't play a ton in the interior anymore. So, you know, I expect with Pouncey and DeCastro, especially those two with the money that we spend, that we should be able to dominate any interior run matchup. The reason that sometimes that we don't is, unfortunately, um, I'm going to try to put this nicely. Um, our left guard is sometimes not very fast coming off the ball, and David DeCastro has some issues at times where he drops his head in the run game. And But from an injury standpoint, the only thing that should be ever able to stop the Sewers offense other than Todd Haley is turnovers. And anything else I, I don't find acceptable because of what Le'Veon Bell can do, Antonio Brown can do with Juju Smith-Schuster, who is also going to play this week, play last week, kind of a big thing. And, you know, I injuries, excuses, I won't accept on the offense until Ben or one of the big names go down, and then I'll start accepting that. Otherwise, I don't. I just I don't want to hear it. I just want, you know, play, score. You have the talent. Yeah, well, uh, uh, Perch. I mean, you're just gonna take you're gonna take whatever New England gives you, right? I mean, or are you gonna? I mean, we've gotten into trouble with this before. New England will will basically sucker the Steelers into trying to run the football a lot, based on what their defensive looks are, and they're they're it's as if they're saying we're willing to give you, um, you know, Le'Veon Bell and short passing game, uh, and challenge you to move it all the way down the field doing that. Steelers have looked a little better recently doing that, but is it better to attack New England and try to do, you know, enforce your will against them, or is it better to try to take what they give you? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. The Steelers have the weapons, and we saw that last week against defenses better than New England's, that they can dictate to any defense in the NFL how they're going to play them. The Steelers want to come out and spread you out, they should be able to come out and spread you out. If you're going to try and, and put safety over top Martavis Bryant and try and double Antonio Brown. We've got tight ends and running backs that should pick you apart the whole game. There's no reason they can't get up to the line with all their weapons on the field, spread teams out, and, and that's when Ben's at his best. Ben's at his best when he's not just focusing on A.B., trying to force the ball in there, or they're not trying to play conservative, three-yard cloud in the dust, pound the ball up the middle. When he's out there reading the defense, making good calls, and distributing the ball to a bunch of different guys. You can kind of tell early in games when he's hitting tight ends and hitting the third receiver and he's and he's uh, hitting running backs and he's hitting A.B. some. They're impossible to stop. Uh, so you, you can't just let the, the, you know, the other team dictate to you and say, hey, we're going to give you these runs and these short dump-offs and we're going to cover everything else. We've got to come out aggressive, spread them out, go quick, hurry up the whole game, let Ben read it, make read and, and dummy calls to the line to see what the defense is and, and, and tear them apart. You've got to go out with the mindset that, hey, we gave up 38 to Flacco. We've probably given up 40 to Brady. Let's try and score 45, and that's the way they have to win. 
They've got to win on offense. Yeah, I mean, um, I completely agree. FC, I will say this, though, turning it around and talking about the Steelers' defense against the Patriots' offense, uh, it feels like the Patriots right now, the, you know, 2017, they want to beat you by dumping off screens, running the football, short, you know, easy passes, quick passes that are out in less than two seconds. Uh, and then the moment that you get lulled into sleep with that, they'll hit you over the top with Gronk. And since they couldn't do that on Monday night, they sort of got trapped by that. But wouldn't, wouldn't you try to, you know, like you, 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 once again, being Belichickian, if you're trying to take something away from Brady, aren't you mugging the line of scrimmage and, and basically playing Chicago Bears defense 1985 and challenging him to beat you with those outside wide receivers? Because, I mean, I know everybody's in love with Brandon Cooks and he has a lot of talent, but I, I don't I, – I mean, I – I would much rather Brady beat me with, with Cooks and Hogan than, you know, the normal thing they do, which is just uh, soul-sucking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm saying I would much rather just blitz my balls off or, you know, man people up and, you know, make him... The, Tom Brady 2017 is not Tom Brady 2012. I understand he won a Super Bowl last year. The one thing that I noticed, two things I noticed watching that Miami game. Number one, Brady really doesn't step in the throws like he used to. So number two, he doesn't drive the ball anywhere close like he used to. I'm not saying, I'm just saying he's, you know, 40-year-old man. You know, the legs hurt, the body hurts, and the weather was pretty nice in Miami. I have a feeling it might be, you know, a little bit shittier in Pittsburgh. Sunday at 425. I mean, perch, oh, yeah, what's the weather looking like Sunday? I say that's a factor we haven't talked about that might yeah, be an I mean, issue. We, Go ahead. we just got about three inches of fresh powder today. It was 17 degrees yesterday. There's like an Alberta right. clipper blowing in. It's going to be, you know, typical Steelers, uh, you know, Patriots January football here. It's going to be, you know, I, I think it's going to be like 20s, somewhat of a breeze. I don't think it's going to be snowing for the game. But you mentioned Brady not pushing off. I mean, he looked horrible in that game. And he's he's got some sort of Achilles injury. That's not something that just heals, you know, very rapidly. If he can't push off and step into his throws, I mean, that was the least accurate we've ever seen Brady. He looked horrible, and he's you know, granted, he's done that before Miami, and and then come back and played really well, and they never lose two in a row. But if that Achilles is really a factor, you know, uh, it, it could be you know, kind of the downfall of his season. Yeah. By the way, whether. I'm sorry, I figured the weather here, where I'm at, it was 26 degrees last night. So I kind of figured, yeah, i got to probably be pushing, you know, 16 in Pittsburgh. No, uh, for Sunday, though, it's supposed to be a little, I mean, I say warmer, but, uh, you know, in the sort of uh, high 30s, uh, light rain is what the forecast is for right now. I know that you're a a health advocate and in very good shape and you take care of yourself well, and I'm not being a wise ass, but whenever (laughs) you, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not in the least, but whenever you come back east or you go to a cold climate, you're going to tell me you don't feel a little bit like, oh, my fucking knees are sore, my ankles are sore or anything like that. Sure, ask the old guy. That's fine, man. I'm just saying, being Perch, I know that he feels it because he and I have this. We we discussed this on the podcast uh, this time last year, and I just remember, you know, him saying, "Yeah, I I I feel a little bit more than I did when I was younger." I mean, I went out there. 
I went out there to golf uh, two days ago, and it was 48. And I was like, oh, fuck me. It took me a good half hour to even think about being able to really swing a club or to get into it for real. And uh, I was just, that's, I, I credit, you know, James Harrison, 40 years old, still playing a physical position. I'm just like, wow. You know, I tip my hat to him. I tip my hat to Brady. You know, when you think back that, you know, Clay Matthews Sr., you know, played until he was 43. You know, I'm like, wow. I, yeah. I couldn't even imagine that. <laughs> Landa. Man, Blanda was crazy. That's an era too, where you know you could you could really get hit, even if you were a kicker, and still right. taking some hits. Um, well, uh, you know, I mean, I guess we'll, when we get to our wrap up, where we talk about what we think is going to happen, we can talk about what's going to happen in this game. But right. I mean, I just leave it on this note before we go. To, I'm going to take a call here in a second. But the, uh, you know, in general, if you had to characterize your feeling of this game Hirsch, i'll start with you because you said you're never going to pick against the patriots against the steelers but i mean are you feeling like how confident in that are you feeling right now contractually obligated i will not <laughs> the answer. i just i can't see i mean what you know shazier was out there and hayden was out there and the steelers defense has played three good games in a row and i saw brady struggling with the achilles and not pushing off well and all that stuff i may have changed my opinion how, how could we even assume that they're they're going to stop uh, Brady and the Patriots? What what have they given us any indication that they're able to? Uh, what indication have they ever given us that they're going to come out on offense? You know, no huddle, hurry up, and we're going to go out and try and score fifty because that's the way we think we're going to have to win. Because we know our defense isn't going to stop Brady. I, I've just seen the story too many times. I can't pick against. I can't pick Pittsburgh in this game. I can't do it until they show me something otherwise. You know what's Ben's uh, two and seven against Brady? I think um, one was his the first game he played him as a as a rookie, and the other one uh, that kind of big upset game where they had uh, Cortez Allen you know covering Gronk, and that's that's it. I mean that's his entire career. He's beaten him twice, and every other time Brady's put up thirty some points. And what's what's he twenty touchdowns, no interceptions against Bud Cullen to coach teams? Yep. You got to be dumb to pick the Steelers in the game. That's that's how I feel about it. <laughs> FC, feeling any optimism, or you feel the same as Perch? <clears throat> oh, um, I understand where Perch is coming from. Um, I just think that this is offensively the best team that is going to take on Brady that the Steelers have had. Um, I'm Dom. I'm going to pick the Steelers this week. I mean. I kind of hinted at it. I'm going to pick like a 30-35 type score, but uh, I can under I completely understand where Perch is coming from. Each, let me put it this way: Am I going to gamble on this game? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, am I going to put in a daily fantasy lineup? Away. Yeah. Stay away. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, all right. We're going to revisit this as we go back and uh, make our picks, our final picks for uh, the Steelers Patriots game. Um, but uh, before we do, I think we have a caller on the line. This is Stosh from uh, somewhere deep in New Jersey. I think he's on the line. Wants to talk with us. How's it going? What's going hey on, boys? Stosh? How you guys doing? Well, Everything you, you guys talked about. Good, good. Everything you guys talked about. Right on the money. Uh, I think the key to the defense is Patriots are going to run the ball. They're going to establish the run, and that's the thing that we have to stop. Two guys have to step up. To it, 
and Hayward. They've been invisible the last two games, and they need to show up. They need to earn their $10 million paychecks. Uh, they haven't been penetrating much to it, maybe one play. But those two guys got to be big. Somehow we got to stop the run. The Patriots bring in a multiple, uh, r- multiple running backs, and they keep those guys fresh. They go to the short passing game to all those running backs. So it's going to be another game played within five, ten yards, five, seven yards of the line of scrimmage for the Steelers defense. And it's the defense has got to step up. Um, but we've said all year, you know, it was the offense that was going to make or break the steal a season. We knew the defense was going to be tough this year. And then given the losses that we've had over the last, uh, you know, couple weeks, it's going to be even tougher. But I agree with you guys. It's got to be a shootout. The Steelers offense has to come out and, and put the pedal down and do what they've been doing the last three, four, five weeks. Give the keys to Ben. Keep it in his pocket and let him roll with it. But, uh, Stosh, you know, the thing is, putting pedal to the metal when you're the Steelers' offense, I think it's mainly about just staying in that no huddle and, and trying to tire out, keep that defense on the field with a sort of a controlled attack, like still attacking down the field. But like, I don't think they have to be in a big hurry at the beginning of the game, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even though they've been no huddle and a little more hurry up, that play clock is still going down to two, three seconds. Ben is still uh, using up the play clock. So, yeah, no huddle keep the Patriots switches from happening. Um, if they're down the big guy branch on the D line, maybe they won't be able to substitute as much. So we still got to mix it up. Um, you know, the forecast is for 70% rain, so it could still be a slippery wet game. So we still have to be able to run the ball. Um, but he's going to be on offense is the other guy stepping up. You know, they, they do have a good secondary. Those guys, you know, stay close to their guys. So, uh, you know, Juju, Martavis, Eli Rogers. So maybe Eli Rogers and Juju are, are guys that could have big games uh, in this game come Sunday. Hey, Stosh, your quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, had almost 300 yards passing to the other guys, not named Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell. I think that was yeah. a, kind of amazing. I'm not sure that that's ever happened in the history of the NFL before, <laughs> like that the you know the yeah. third, third and lower uh, level targets of an offense got that much in one game. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. He he's been distributing the ball uh, better than he ever has. He's, he's just finding that open guy now. He's using Jesse James, uh, trusting in Jesse James, and Jesse James is turning and he's getting ready for the ball more so than he has been. He's he's just know it's coming now, so he's ready for it. And uh, and I'm I'm happy for Rogers. I know you know he's. Number four, number five, some guys didn't think he should have made the team. I thought Ayers, you know, brought more value to the team as a punt returner. But uh, Rodgers has stepped it up. You know, he's been catching everything, tough catches. So those two guys uh, have come on. Um, other thing, the key is, and I think I, someone might have mentioned it, is uh, we see it all the time. Baltimore, I'm sorry, uh, Patriots kick off. They kick off to the five-yard line. They kick off to the three-yard line. That's going to be huge. We can't have Martavis stumbling and bumbling back there on kick returns and starting out at the 10, 12-yard line. Someone mentioned Darius Haywood Bay returning kicks. That's not a bad thought. The guy's got some speed. He's got some bulk to him. He's fearless. He's a special teams uh, uh, demon coming down there. He doesn't make a ton of plays, but he, he's, he's used to the speed of kick returns. That might be an option. I doubt we'll see it. I'm sure we'll see Juju back there again. 
I'm yeah, fine with you. My guess. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you for the uh, the comment and for and for listening, man. And uh, and I, I'd like to appreciate you never calling me out on having maybe the worst season picking Steelers scores I've ever had. I'm just <laughs> looking through it today and thinking, man, I'm I'm I, I was good at one point. Do I had some good success a couple of years ago, and man, yeah. I'm just bad. I think I finished yeah. top five or something last year. I'm just awful. Yeah, you might have been so anyway. top ten. Yeah. I'm awful, but uh, who knows how we'll go this week. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're expecting a shootout, right? We're expecting no, you know, Steelers defense to give up a lot of points. We're hoping we score a lot of points, but maybe it goes back to a 27-24 game or 24-23 <laughs> game. Who knows? 13-10 Steelers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not. So, All right. I yeah, appreciate it, you getting – yeah, I appreciate you getting me caught up on the Steelers score game. It's been a rough year. I'm all caught oh, up no now. Worries. Get your picks in. And uh, go Steelers. <laughs> Thanks, B. All right. Thank you. Thanks, man. Um, and just uh, so, you know, uh, that, that's a great long-time caller, Stosh67 from uh, New Jersey. Hey, gents, let's take it to our Around the League pick segment brought to us by... Roger Goodell's new fucking contract, which is a joke. Mike Pereira, Dean Blandino, Hakeem Tlaib's mom, Chico's bail bonds. There you go. And, uh, ever send, the, just, send the check. If you don't want to send the check, you can just send me some pot. Who who is the uh, uh, perch? Who's the guy that was in charge? Who's in charge of the uh, disciplines and suspensions for the NFL? We might need to add him or a list as well. Oh goodness, uh, former player. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, for, play for the Eagles. Play no, the guy to play uh, for the Eagles. Oh, Troy oh, Vincent. Yeah. I, yeah, Troy Vincent. There we go. We can, we can add Troy Vincent there, yeah. to, our, to our list. Okay. Who would think the stoner has the memory? <laughs> it's true every week, man. It's true every week. Uh, it's Zen. It's all the Zen you know, right. uh, meditation time you put in. Yes. Uh, we're only going to talk about games that have anything remotely to do with the playoffs and the Steelers. Let's talk Chargers at Kansas City. Uh, Perch, I, I think uh, – you know, I would have two weeks ago. I think we'd all picked the Chargers, no problem, to win this game because Kansas City was nose diving. They looked a little bit better last week, um, and they're playing at home. Who do you like in this game? Well, this is one of those uh, historical projection sort of weeks. You know, we're talking Steelers Patriots. <laughs> we're also talking late season uh, San Diego Charger meltdown losing games in the last minute by a point or two. So I think that happens again. I think the Chargers go out and take a lead in this game, and the Chiefs pull it off at the end, uh, like 23-21. So I think the Chargers are a one-point favorite. Uh, I'm taking the Chiefs to win by a couple points. So uh, that's that's how I see it. I think the Chargers have been pretty impressive the last few weeks, but I'll take Kansas City at home uh, with their you know, sort of their season on the line. FC, what do you think? I say fuck that. I picked the Chargers week one of this podcast to win the West. I'm sticking with the, I'll take the San Diego or Los Angeles Superchargers. <laughs> the somewhere in Southern California Chargers. Yeah, yeah all right. Uh, at Carolina, they're hosting Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers returning. I'm FC, I, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I, Carolina is not the place I really want to make my return uh, reentry. Right. And uh, it's going to be shitty weather here, too. I understand that doesn't matter with Rodgers. Um, Wow, this is a tough game. I've been—I figured that you were. This is going to be one of the games that you're going to have us pick. I'm going to go with shockingly the Carolina Panthers. 
I said I thought Green Bay was making the playoffs last week. I don't think Jordy Nelson's problems are going to be solved by Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I think Carolina has a little bit better of a defense. And Cam Newton's making plays, so I'll take the Panthers. What do you think, Perch? Same. I think that, uh, you know, you can't expect Rodgers to come off of, you know, breaking his throwing collarbone uh, shoulder area. Uh, be away from football that time, come back, and that defense is not that good. They've got issues on the defense. Carolina's defense is pretty good. Carolina's at home. Carolina's got a lot to play for, too. Uh, I think Carolina wins and covers that three points. I think Carolina wins by six points. Yeah, I I, I think Carolina, like I said, not, not a good place uh, to try to come back to, even if you're healthy, you know, even if he's 100% recovered, to come back against that team with the the kind of uh, pressure that they create with their front seven and, and Luke Keekley roaming around trying to snatch up whatever mistakes crumbs you put out there. Uh, you know, and Aaron Rodgers on the road, it's 500 quarterback. So I'm going to take Carolina Panthers. Um, nuts. That's just nuts for a guy with that talent, right? I mean, it's nuts. Brett Hundley, 2-0 and in his career in overtime. That's even more nuts. Yeah. And they should just re- there you go replace Rogers with with Hundley and everything's fixed. Um, the uh, the only other game I think this week that uh, we're talking about is the uh, Seattle and the Rams doesn't directly affect the Steelers uh, you know in the AFC, but it's still a good game to pick uh, at Seattle with all their issues facing the Rams coming off a loss to, to Philadelphia. Uh, FC, how do you see this one? The team that has the ball last is going to win. Um, I'm going to pick the Rams for one reason and one reason only. I think they're healthier, and I think their defense is every bit as good as Seattle, and I hate the Seattle offensive line. Though I think Russell Wilson should get serious, serious, serious MVP consideration. Perch? Well, Seattle, I'm having a real hard time picking their games just because Wilson is playing so well. Their offensive line is so bad. Their secondary is so banged up. Uh, The Rams usually play them really well, but that game's in Seattle. It's a tough place to play. Uh, I I think I'm going to take Seattle to win that game and and cover the two and a half, but I think it'll be close, and I wouldn't be surprised if it goes the other way. Yeah, I just feel like you can't pick against Seattle at home. Even even with all their problems, they're going to be missing, it sounds like, Bobby Bobby Wagner and and all kinds of stuff. I, it, the, the, the issue is, I, I think the Rams are a year away. Like I think next year is the Rams' year uh, in terms of you know they're getting their young players, you know their feet wet with the with the playoff run and the chance to be a good team. I'm not sure they have it 100 percent figured out yet. Uh, and going to Seattle is tough, even when you're you know in an ideal situation and a better team can still easily lose their um, great crowd just great atmosphere and you know you got a quarterback who understands how to make plays when he needs to make plays even when he doesn't have a lot to work with so anyway i'll take seattle uh and that concludes our uh, around the league pick segment this week uh gentlemen that brings us to uh you know we always say it's a five-star matchup because we're in it i think this is actually a five-star matchup it's been anticipated since the beginning of the season it was uh, circled on the calendar the moment that the schedule came out. Uh, FC, I'm going to start with you. Flurry or Murray? 
Um, I think Murray, um, <laughs> even though they're going to Vegas, the Penguins suck, but we'll uh, – how about this? You want something even more shocking? Take the New York Giants over the Philadelphia Eagles in New York and take the points if you want a solid bet this week, boys. But we'll stick with the fucking I lovely like Pittsburgh Steelers. You're just like, wow, he's on yes, the crack. It's, it's a Pittsburgh. No, I like I like I, Philly. Philly with Nick Foles. I mean, I right. don't know. Um, anyway, yes, the New the New England Patriots, uh, uh, otherwise known as those assholes, right. come to town this week, and um, you know we we know what we're all hoping for. What do you think is going to happen? I think um, the second-best kicker in the AFC is going to kick a last-second field goal for the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the New England Patriots in Game 1 of this matchup, 38-35. We discussed this a little bit earlier. Perch is a very smart man with this. Perch is such a hardcore Steeler fan, and I understand he's contra- contractually obligated, and I know he's going to be cheering his balls off for the Steelers. So anyone's like, ooh, Perch is picking against the Steelers, so yeah, fuck you. He does this every week, and he's pretty smart about it. Um, I just have a feeling, and the feeling I have is Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, Jesse James, Le'Veon Bell are going to do enough. I think the Sears' offense and defensive lines are actually going to be physically challenged by Munchak and by John Mitchell and by Mike Tomlin. And I think that is going to be where the Steelers win this game. The Steelers are going to miss some fucking tackles. They're going to give up some touchdowns and make us shake our head this week that they shouldn't give up. But offensively, we're going to do enough to just win. So the Steelers, 30-35. Perch, uh, how much do you think the Patriots will win by? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. They're on to me. Uh... think that the defense will, will do better this week than they did against Joe Flacco last week. Uh, and I'll also say this, if not now, when? You've got a healthy Le'Veon Bell, a healthy Martavis Bryant, a healthy Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger, uh, four of the five guys on the offensive line are there. It, it's, if they can't do it this week at home with New England coming off a short week, will they ever? You know, are we permanently the the Houston Oilers to the to the seventy Steelers uh, to this Patriots team? You know, it's uh, if not now, when? But what I see happening is I think Brady just shreds the defense again. I think we'll hold them less than the thirty-eight. I think they get thirty-six, and I think that Belichick's smart enough on defense. He has enough good quality cover guys in that secondary that he'll he'll force some some mistakes from the Steelers or some some short drives. So I'm going to go New England thirty-six. Uh, Pittsburgh twenty-seven. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's you know totally plausible that they come alive suddenly because they're playing the Steelers and the Steelers defense, um, you know, has a ton of holes in it to attack. So you know, I, I'm not. I don't think I don't think it's outrageous what you're saying. Um, I think there's there's uh, three things I want to say about this game. Number one is Cameron Hayward against. Uh, uh, is it Joe Looney? Yeah? Tooney? Looney? Looney? Tooney. Looney. Joe Looney Tooney. <laughs> this is the Tooney. New England Patriots left. Yes, I know. It's Tooney. Um, uh, the Patriots uh, left guard. That guy has some issues in, in general, but in particular, uh, he has been pretty much a speed bump for uh, pass protection. One of the problems that the Brady has had the last three or four weeks uh, unless 
they suddenly replace him with a different guy this week, you know, and it's next man up for New England, I think that it's imperative that Cameron Hayward have a big game. And I have a feeling that as much of a leader as he is on this defense and, you know, kind of player that he is, that he understands that it's his matchup to, uh, to take advantage of here and that he, and he will. Secondly, is there a better bad weather quarterback than, than Ben Roethlisberger generally? I mean, I, I understand he went to the snow in Buffalo and had some issues that day gripping the football, but generally in the rain at home in Pittsburgh, um, he's absolutely money. Uh, and to be fair, his receivers are pretty good at, in that situation too. Um, they, they, don't, they, they don't seem to be as affected by it as some teams are. Don't expect Patriots to be terrible at it, but I, I think that's a little bit of an advantage for the Steelers that hopefully works in their favor. Um, and the, you know, the, the short week plays into it as well for New England. It was a short week for the Steelers last week. That seemed to affect them a lot, I, th- I thought, especially on defense. Um, and, uh, and it got, you know, sort of got worse as the game went on. Uh, and I kind of expect that to happen a little bit with the Patriots this week. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the Steelers to win slightly lower scoring than, than most people think this game is going to be 31, 27. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say most people that still would be, you know, take the over <laughs> compared to the 53 that the over under is right now. But to me, 31, 27 is actually, you know, lower score than what the Steelers have been doing. Uh, in the last few weeks, you know, considering that Brady's coming to town, holding him to only 27 would be an accomplishment with what the Steelers have going on defense right now. You know, been horrible picking all year. I generally got the winners right, but the but the scores, who knows? Uh, I think we would take just about anything. Um, I'll start with uh, with uh, Perch this week. What is your uh, your last word for the show? Beat those assholes, and if not now, when? I mean, it's got to happen. It's got to happen at some time. They've got to turn the corner against this team. I've been saying it for how many years now? 12, 13, 14 years. It just never happened. So uh, let's hope it's finally our turn to start uh, you know, taking some wins in this series. FC? Tony Kearney has called 101 penalties against home teams in the NFL this year. I thank Greek Steel for that stat. That's one. Number two, uh, Marcus Cannon, starting right tackle for the New England Patriots, was put on IR today. So that's something else to look for, that the uh, Patriots are going to have to figure out their right tackle situation. And number three, um, my uh, 90-some-year-old grandfather uh, told me something when I was a young child that I think Todd Haley should take this advice. And he said to me, Dominic, the way you keep a hard on hard is you don't fuck with it. And that's what I would tell Todd Haley to do with the offense. Don't fuck with it. Just let the boys do what they do. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, by the way, that stat sounds all good and everything. It's about the 101 penalties against home teams being outrageous. That averages out to seven a game. Uh, their crew is called 10 a game against the visiting team as well. It's just, man, is that, is a, that is a lot of penalties. That, that crew is out of control. Anyway, my, my final thought, I'm going to make a prediction. My prediction is that uh, – should the Steelers win this game, uh, it will be the only time we play the New England Patriots this year. Sure. There you go. So I, I think that's this is your chance. You want to you want to go through New England, feel the you know justification that you that you beat New England and you made it to the Super Bowl without avoiding them. Now now is the time. Might as well be a playoff game in that respect because I don't you know you don't want to give them the chance to be at home against not only you but against everybody else too. Because otherwise, the Steelers' uh, six Super Bowl advantage 
six Super Bowl trophies uh, lead is definitely in danger. So now's the time to protect the legacy. Legacy game for Ben. There, there are my final thoughts. Legacy game for Ben. Um, he's been pretty good in those legacy games. Gentlemen, appreciated FC, Steel Perch, uh, Stosh, uh, STD, and the other Greek Steel. Thank you for uh, joining us on the show. And uh, Fury and everybody there at SteelerFury.com. This is your host, Bradshaw Ben, saying let's talk after a giant Steelers victory and, a, and a no more monkey on the back game against New England this weekend. Go get them, Steelers. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.